excited about today. As you know, there's some major activity going on on this particular day. It's Groundhog's Day. Yeah, that's right. Well, let me invite you to take your Bibles and join me in uh, Romans chapter 7. Let's continue with our study in Romans here. And uh, this is uh, week number 13 in the book of Romans. And uh, we still have half of Romans yet to work through. So strap on your seatbelt and hang on as we continue to uh, digest and study God's Word here. But we're in chapter 7 this morning, and we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 14. And uh, today we're talking about the law. So that's going to be our topic, talking about the law. Are we still under the law? Are we supposed to still follow the rules and regulations that God placed in the Old Testament? Well, we'll take a look at that in a few moments here. But follow along. We're in, again, Romans chapter 7. I'm going to begin reading in verse 7, and I'll read through verse 14. Well, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Well, certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, Do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. But in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful." We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. A couple weeks ago, as well as last week too, we've been talking about this whole concept, this whole idea of being dead. Okay, Uh, Chapter 6 of Romans says that we as followers of Jesus Christ are dead to sin. Right, And then here this morning also, as we come into chapter 7, we're instructed that we're also dead to the law. Okay, and it says so in verse, uh, or excuse me, chapter 6, verse 4. So look at, look at it with me. Excuse me, Romans chapter 7, verse 4. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit... To God. So here again in Romans chapter 7, verse 4, we're instructed that we are dead to sin. Uh, last week and the weeks before, we also were instructed that we are, or excuse me, we were dead to the law, and then now we're also dead to the sin. So the question that is asked then, what does this mean, we are dead? We're supposed to be dead to sin. That's what Scripture tells us. In fact, uh, it also tells us here in our chapter this morning that we are dead to the law. What does that mean? Well, the whole idea of being dead 
means that we are no longer under the authority. Okay? When we talked about being dead to sin, I shared with you that your sin, your sin nature, is no longer your boss. Okay? Your sin nature does not call the shots in your life because you belong to somebody. And that, of course, someone is Jesus Christ. Therefore, that sinful, sinful nature is not your boss. You are dead to it. Your sinful nature has no longer authority over you. It's not calling the shots in your life. That's how you are to live. That's a spiritual truth that we are to apply in our life. I am dead to sin. Sin is no longer my boss. I don't have to listen to the voice of sin in my mind and engage in activity that dishonors God. I don't have to do that. I have the power to say no, okay, because I am dead to the authority of sin in my life. Well, this morning we come to the idea of law. And in the law, we're also dead to the law, it says. That's what Scripture tells us. And again, using the same uh, you know, terminology of being dead to sin, we're also dead to the law, meaning the law no longer is the governing authority of our life. So what am I saying? What we're saying is you are no longer made right in God's eyes by observing the do's and don'ts of the law. See, that's how the Israelite people uh, gained acceptance. At least that's how they believed they gained acceptance in God's eyes. The, the, the Israelite people, the Jewish people thought, okay, if I do this law and this law and I don't do these things over here and stay away from doing those things, I'll be acceptable in God's eyes. Well, as we come here to Romans, Paul says, okay, that has been done away with. Okay, that whole line of thinking, believing that you are right in God's eyes by doing the right thing, that's been done away with, okay? You are no longer alive to that, but you are dead to the law. Now you're standing before God. Your acceptance before God depends completely on your faith in Jesus Christ. So when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, God sees you as somebody who's been justified, who is righteous, who is holy in his sight. Does that mean that our sinful nature has been eradicated? No, we still battle it. But in this battle, we need to remember the scriptural truths. One, sin is not my boss. My sinful nature is not the CEO of my life. Rather, Jesus Christ is. So I can make choices to honor him. And second of all, I don't gain my right standing in God's eyes by a law, by doing things. Um, that's been done away with. I gain a right standing in God's eyes by placing my faith and trust in what Jesus Christ has done. So died to the law means I've been freed from the authority of the law. Uh, the law is a cruel master. If we were to, uh, if we were to pursue and try to achieve a right standing in the eyes of God by obeying a set of standards or obeying a set of rules, we would become very, very frustrated. In fact, we would, hopelessness would come into our life because the law is a cruel, cruel master. Let me elaborate on that a little bit. The law, if you want to gain a right standing before God by doing 
a list of do's and don'ts, um, here's what the law is going to do to you. The law ignores good intentions. So we as a people think, okay, at least I tried, and God's going to say, hey, that's great. At least you tried. No, if you're going to live according to a rule, you failed. You messed up. So good intentions do not count when it comes to a law. Also the law, again, good intentions or a list of do's and don'ts, that law, what it does is promises condemnation. It does not bring you freedom. Instead, it brings you condemnation because the very law that we attempt to uphold and follow, we end up falling short and messing up on. And so the nature of the law is it doesn't, you know, offer any kind of grace. Rather, the law just cuts your head right off is what it does. That's just the way the law is. So it promises condemnation. If you want to follow the law or have, again, that list of do's and don'ts, thinking you're going to be right in God's eyes because of these things that I do and these things that I don't do, well, that law provides no restoration. So no matter what you try to do, you're going to mess up. And when you mess up, who's going to step in and try and help you back on your feet again? Is it the law? No. You broke it. You're done with. You've been condemned, and there's no restoration. Also, the law accepts no apologies. Accepts no apologies. So, based on the list of do's and don'ts, and we all have them, when we fall short of that particular don't, or we don't follow through and do that particular do that we think gains acceptance in God's eyes, when we mess up, there's no apology. You see, the law is a a cruel master. The law cuts you no slack. And the law offers, lastly, no forgiveness. So when you do fall short, is there any kind of hope? Well, based on the law, there is no hope. Okay? There is no forgiveness. So in light of law's character, if that's what the law is, the natural conclusion is expressed in, verse, in chapter 7 there, verse 7. So if the law is, brings condemnation, if the law can't restore me in God's eyes, uh, if being good enough is not good enough, and there is no forgiveness, if that's the nature of the law, the character of the law, well, then there is that question that is asked there in verse 7. So what shall we say then in verse 7? Is the law sin then? That's the kind of conclusion that you come to. I mean, if law is that bad, then it, it's no good then, right? Well, Paul wants us to understand that your salvation does not depend on doing the right thing or on avoiding the wrong thing. That's not how you have a gain a right standing in God's eyes. Uh, so the, but the law is not all that terrible. And so what we're going to look at is four things that this, this text presents to us why the law is not terrible, okay? So I want you to look at four things here. Uh, there's many things we could say about the law, but here's just four things that come from our text to study this morning from verses 7 through 14. So what Paul says, so is, this, is the law bad? I mean, if the law does us no good, it condemns us, there's no forgiveness, we can't be reconciled through the law. If it's no good, you know, then what's the use of it? Well, Paul says, here's the use of it. Here's what's good about the law. Look at verse 7, chapter 7, verse 7. What shall we say then? 
Is the law sin? Well, certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. So the goodness, the good part of the law, the law reveals sin. That's what it does. It reveals sin. Paul makes it clear that the law tells us what right behavior is, and the law tells us or explains for us what wrong behavior is. So the law reveals sin. In that nat- in, at least in that light, the law is okay. Look at verse 7 again with me. I'm looking at the second part of it. He says, I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. So the law informs us of what is acceptable behavior, and because of that, the law is good, Paul says. And it's the same for our life, too. You know, when we're cruising down interstate, it's nice to know that there is a posted speed limit, right? And it tells us, okay, this is what's acceptable, and so we can slow down our vehicles. So anyhow, the law is good in that it informs us what is acceptable behavior. That's what Paul's saying. Pressing on, here's the second thing that the law brings to us that is positive. Uh, the law agitates the conscience, is what we have there. If you're following along with your outline, the law agitates the conscience. But here's what it says in verse 8. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. So the law agitates the conscience. What the law does, uh, it kicks, kicks in the battle. We're all engaged in this battle. Uh, and the battle is this. Okay, what decision do I make? Do I choose to indulge or I, do I choose to obey? So that, that's where this agitation comes with the conscience. We're, we're facing, do I do this and gratify my own self? Or do I say no and make this decision which brings honor to God? So we're in that particular battle. It's a little spiritual battle that's going on. And the law escalates that. Now some of us would say, well, I wish the law wasn't there because what I was doing I didn't think was that big of a deal. But now that I've read God's word and God has brought it to light, now I know I shouldn't be doing that. I would, it sure would have been nice if God wouldn't have said anything about that. So what it does, the law agitates our conscience. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Why is it a good thing? Well, what is our goal and pursuit as followers of Christ? Our goal is to be more like what? In the image of our creator, correct? That's what we want to go shoot for. And the law helps us do that. So that's what's good about it. So it agitates our conscience. Number three, uh, the law reveals the plight of the sinner. The law reveals the plight of the sinner. Look with me at verses 9 and 10 of chapter 7. Paul says, Once I was alive from the law. I was alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin, or sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. Brought death. So the law reveals the plight of the sinner. In other words, as we try to do the right thing, as we try to cross the T's of our life and dot the I's of our life, meaning trying to be good, 
we end up falling short, don't we? And Scripture tells us that if we fall short, what we deserve then is death. Okay? So that's our plight. The law reveals that our plight is death. Is death. Now here's something that we usually do. Here's how usually uh, we as humans want to look at God's law. Okay? Whether it be the Ten Commandments or whatever. We look at God's law as like spokes on a wheel. Now, if we break one of those spokes on that wheel, we can still go places, right? What's the big deal? So I broke one spoke. I broke two spokes. So what's the big deal? That's how we often look at God's law. Okay, I broke, two, I broke two laws, but hey, you know, another eight are in place. That's the way we think, and that's how we kind of appease our conscience. But the Scripture tells us very plainly, if you break one spoke, the wheel is shot. That's the nature of uh, the law. That's why it's such a cruel, cruel master. If you fudge and mess up just on a little bit, in God's eyes is you've broken the whole thing. Okay? You've broken the whole thing. So that's why uh, you know, the law is such a horrible master. And the end, if we're going to follow the law, try to justify ourselves in God's eyes by doing this list of do's and don'ts, whatever it may be, we're going to fail, and we're going to die. Got a picture here. Do we get it up there? All righty. Thanks, Dave. You've, you've, heard, you've heard that adage or that phrase, you know, I, I'm going to die trying. I intend to live forever or, or die trying, right? I want you to focus on that part, at least die trying. You know, I, I'm going to climb that mountain or die trying, right? We say that, you know, or, well, I'm going to pay off that debt or at least die trying, okay? All right. People say, I'm going to try and make myself presentable to God by doing this and not doing that, or at least die trying. Now, it sounds kind of funny, but the last part is absolutely true. If you try to make yourself presentable to God by doing certain things and not doing certain things, in the end, you end up dying anyhow. You ended up dying trying. It's a dead end. It's a dead end. Because the law is a horrible master. Number four, the law reveals the repulsiveness of sin. Looking at verse 13. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means, Paul says. But in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. So the commandment, what is good about a commandment or what's good about the law? Well, the law reveals the nastiness of sin. Reveals the nastiness of sin. Question for you. What repulses you? What repulses you? Um, Would a tray of toes repulse you well, these these are cookies by the way but it's repulsive isn't it uh-huh you bet what's what's repulsive to you how about a uh, a bowl of mealworms i mean people eat those things is that repulsive to you 
okay? Um, how about behaviors? Um, is it repulsive to you to see somebody picking their nose and then kind of slipping that into their, to their mouth? Is that repulsive to you? Can I gross you out a little, a little bit more? Is that all right? Um, back in Nebraska, leading the youth group, we were going on a trip. Can't remember where, but this detail of the trip I do remember. We did stop at Pizza Hut to get pizza. And uh, so we had a group of, I don't know, probably eight, eight kids. And uh, Russell... You don't know Russell, but Russell, uh, he, he, he was, he was a struggling. He needed help uh, in different ways, and uh, I remember Russell, he was sitting over there at the table, and he sneezed, and uh, it was a wet sneeze. I mean, you, you saw this stuff, and you saw it in his hand, and Russell kind of, kind of, Stuck it up to his mouth. Okay. You're gross, I know. <laughs> Here's why I'm doing this. That's, that's sin. Are you repulsed by your sin? Uh, we're not repulsed enough, I don't think. I mean, that's what the law does. The law is supposed to reveal our nastiness. And in the revelation of our nastiness, it should drive us to Jesus. Because Jesus, as we observe with the Lord's Supper here, Jesus takes the nastiness, washes us away, and gives us a clean heart. But sometimes I fear that we don't recognize the nastiness. I fear we're not repulsed by our sin. But the good thing about the law is the law reveals who we really are. And that's not bad. It's not bad because it drives us to the Savior. And that's what Galatians, remember we're talking about four things here that uh, Romans chapter 7 shares regarding, you know, the good points of the law. We talked about four, but here's, here's number five. We'll just throw in a freebie. If you go to the book of Galatians, and it talks in Galatians how the law is put in place to be kind of like an instructor, a teacher with a purpose, and that purpose is to lead us to Christ. And that's what's awesome. That's what's awesome. And sometimes... Well, I think it kind of begins with the nastiness, doesn't it? We've got to recognize our nastiness. And we all have it, don't we? We don't. But thanks be to God. He takes the nastiness. And he makes within us a new creation. Sins are forgiven and they're cast as far as, you know, the east is from the west. And become as white as snow through his forgiveness. That's what the new covenant that we were celebrating, that's what the new covenant offers. But 
if we want to pass on the new covenant and come under the authority of the law, remember, the law is a cruel, cruel master. There's only condemnation. There's no forgiveness. There's no restoration. And our final destination is death. But again, with Christ, there's life. Let's pray. Father God, thanks again for your goodness. Even, even, when, even when we're just not proud of who we are, you remind us, hey, I paid for that. I've forgiven you. You are mine. You belong to me. Come. I know you slipped, but come and follow me. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for making another way. And that way is through your son, Jesus. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.